Yeah. I wish I had something cool like that going on. Uh, currently planning. I'm not doing you a lot could. of planning. I'm not planning. I'm not doing. I'm not really involved that much in the planning process. But currently planning Jack's second birthday party. Hey, that's equally yeah. exciting. In its own way. Um, Do you have a theme? Do you have? A theme? Yes, it is. Uh, is baby proc two 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 two. Uh, if you catch the the rhyme there, I don't know. Uh, licensing might get us, but uh, yeah, he's uh he's likes he like has a lot of likes, but Baby Shark is still chief amongst them, and uh, he just likes sharks in general imagery, shark imagery in, in of any kind. So uh, you know, and he started two, so hence the two 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 two. Whatever. I feel like Baby Shark has created a kind of weird vacuum period where children love sharks at a right. baby age yes. and then they kind of forget about sharks and then they're afraid of sharks yes and and it's they... like not many other animals do you start loving and then fearing yes you know there's a you know once you discover the viciousness of the shark you kind of they lose their cuteness that they have as a, at a childhood age. you know the funny thing about baby shark as a song is i remember um i remember learning it to kids when I was like I would say like not eight nine or ten. I remember going to the like the church nursery because I wanted to help. I was a I was like I want to be a helper, and so I went and like some some teacher showed me the motions to this little game, and we did the motions with this little game with like the little three year olds then, and it was just like a a game. It was just a song, and then. Somewhere along the lines, it surged into someone made an animated video of it and children, it took off like crazy. And I was like, I don't know. I remember when that was just a tiny little hand game that you played with three-year-olds. You're telling but, me Baby Shark used to be a tiny little hand game that you played with three-year-olds? News to me, too. I'm glad to be, I wasn't the only one. I just wasn't going to say it. It used to just have like an, it used to be like an actual just store or, you know, game that you would play. But someone no somewhere along the way made an animated video to it of some sort and it just became internet viral for children everywhere um that's the only thing that i know about yeah. is the video that's crazy you learn something new every day here on yeah. so many sequels dang yeah it has educational a, it, on all four, four yeah fronts. I, <laughs> if i remember stuff. correctly there wasn't all the stuff that like they i mean i don't remember learning the stuff with the uh, swim away or anything like that it was just it was just let's go hunt and then it was the... and then it was over the Baby Shark Dance is the most watched video on YouTube with 12.3 billion views. You know that's just because parents have it on repeat. Oh, yeah. I mean, and 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 the the need to find the like two hour loop becomes very evident very quickly when it's the only thing that will make your child be quiet for a few minutes. Um, early on for, for us, it wasn't Baby Shark because we like tried to avoid it as best we could. But um, the bluey theme, uh, Jack really loved. But the bluey theme is like 30 seconds at best. So we right. found like a one hour loop of the bluey theme and he would just zone out and just eventually he just started going, ah, dad, because that's the words. It's just them saying mom, dad, <laughs> bingo, bluey. And so he started just saying, he started getting into, he started, yeah, you know, he would, he was, so I don't know. You do what you can. You can, and then <laughs> you got to keep him entertained. You know the daycare. The daycare introduced him to Baby Shark, and to his Can't, credit, yeah, to his credit, he knew that we did not. We were trying to avoid it, so he didn't sing it at the house. But uh, we eventually we were like, well, let's just put on Baby Shark, see if he likes it. He did. 
Uh, he instantly recognized it and screamed. He put it on. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's enough baby shark talk. But he's going to be two, yeah. which is crazy because it well, doesn't feel like two years have gone by. No, no, it wild. does not. No, it does not. They grow up so fast. They grow up so fast. Yeah, it's true. Let me ask. Let me ask y'all a question. What's your favorite? Uh, what's your favorite like Valentine's candy? You had a favorite Valentine candy? Mm. I mean, for the longest oh. time, it was, it was the Reese's Hearts. Yeah, Reese's Hearts is always the best. Um, but I also like the uh, box, the candy box of Reese's that are just the little mini Reese's. You know, you just like Reese's. Is I do. I mean, honestly, Reese's is <laughs> Reese's is core answer. But um, I'm trying to be creative. Let me if I if I if I uh, uh, well, give me an example of something else. Give you an example, yeah, of another of another Valentine candy. What's another Valentine specific candy? Oh, gosh, you know, I was I was thinking about this earlier because I thought it would be a fun uh, question to talk about uh, for this being like a Valentine themed episode. In a way, mm-hmm. we kind of have two themes going on here. But the more I thought about it, the more I realized, man, outside of um, God, I forget what they're called, but the little um, the little chalk hearts. With the little yeah. phrases on it. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. The that's like the only, uh, the, the candy hearts is like the only Valentine specific candy I can think of. Yeah. The rest um, are just like, they just adapt for the holiday, you know? Yeah, they just, yeah, they, 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 yeah, they've converted. I mean, the traditional was always just the box of chocolates in the heart shaped box. Right. Um, you know, uh, gosh, is there another thing? Like, yeah, you see those little chalk candy hearts, those are the, yeah. those are sort of the, the go to. I just that's pretty much it. That's, that's, that's like Valentine's based. One of the, one of the one of the, it has to be one of the top ten episodes of Futurama. I think we can we can say that for certain. Uh, the one with the one with the candy hearts. Uh, unfamiliar, unfamiliar. Really? Oh man, no recall on Futurama. Love guys, every episode, but no recall. You gotta if you guys uh, you know need need a new show to, to binge through for a while. Futurama is the show. Um, yeah, I don't know. Wow, I don't know. I can't think okay. of anything specific. Wow. I was going to say like peppermints, but like, you know, that's such a boring answer. It is. And peppermints, you know, peppermints work for so many of the holidays. Uh, candy canes, they're all peppermint. It, it, peppermint tries to sneak itself into too many occasions, in my opinion. But that's just me. You know, um, uh, yeah. Do they make Valentine candy corn? Is that like a thing? <laughs> I don't know. They should. I look. I pink and red a, instead of orange and I'm, yellow. I'm a candy corn defender, so I would be okay with Valentine. As, as am I. I mean, I don't like. I don't eat like mountains of the stuff, but I love a good candy corn. So we're talking about Valentine's Day because it. This episode is being dropped on Valentine's Day, uh, but it's also Valentine's week, and this is a the after watching the movie. I feel like it's a bit of a stretch to make it a Valentine movie, but we're doing it. We're doing, <laughs> we're doing it. Uh, we're talking about Titanic today. Um, because it's the 25th anniversary mm-hmm. and uh, it is being re-released for Valentine's weekend. So we weren't the only ones who thought of this, at least. Uh, it's, it's been it, 25 years. Titanic <laughs> is being re-released. It's been remastered in 4K, 3D, uh, HDR high frame rate. These are all words <laughs> that I read on the internet. All the things. In, in, Inhumane. In, in That's just crazy. That's just so, wild. if you want to see Titanic like you've never seen it before, uh, 
I guess go check out that remaster. If you want to experience one of the world's craziest tragedies in like you're there, go see oh, this man. re-release because I think that's what it's going to be. You mean to tell me it's <laughs> the frame rate's higher. It's right. in HD and it's in 3D. Oh my God, people are going to drown. Mm-hmm. Somebody get police ready. Yeah, yeah, are they putting it in 4DX? That's what we really <laughs> need to know. Get, don't be splashing me with water. <laughs> James Cameron. James Cameron mm. is individually going to spray everyone with this. The room gets artificially drops to 34 degrees. Lordy, 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 lordy. It's tragedy. Sitting there freezing <laughs> with Jack. Um. Wow. Yeah. Uh, you know, Titanic is uh, arguably the biggest movie ever made. Um, it's been passed in box office receipts due to inflation, mainly. Um, it's it's It was the highest grossing movie of all time for a good long run mm-hmm. uh, since its 1997 release. And um, it won 11 Academy Awards, including Best Picture. Uh, the most at the time, maybe still, I don't know, uh, our Oscar expert, Andrew, is not here to rattle that off uh, immediately. It would take me a few minutes to research. Uh, so we're talking about Titanic. Um, David, had you seen Titanic before? I had. Okay, I so, was uh, very young, though. And So we've all seen Titanic. This is no one's first time. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so since you haven't seen it since you were young, let's, let's hear what Probably you like, thought about. Yeah. What you thought about Titanic then, what you thought about Titanic now. Yeah, I was probably nine. I feel like um, I did not see it theatrically when I was a kid, but my parents rented it. Um, Titanic was a movie that uh, when you rented it, it came on two tapes. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it probably sold that way too. It was so, it was so long. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents were, uh, uh, you know, 90s conservative uh, and so I was not allowed to watch the parts with naked uh, Kate Blanchett, but Winslet, I got it. Yes. Oh, sorry. Winslet, Kate Winslet. Whatever. Sorry. I, I whatever I, Kate Winslet. I make that mistake all the time. Well, they have the same first name. Well, uh, oh, well, sure. <laughs> I do the same thing with Colin and Will Ferrell a lot. Um, anyhow, that's, that's worse. I know, but they have the same last name and it's very, it, it's very, it, it's a problem. Anyhow, I wasn't allowed to see. Kate naked, but uh, I did get to have front row seat for the nightmare inducing drowning porn that (laughs) pours on you. Priorities, Uh, people. Priorities. I I was hiding behind our couch for a lot of the like last 45 minutes of the movie as a nine year old. I vividly remember hiding behind the couch was people were, you know, drowning and running in terror and just being like, this is the scariest film of all time. And that, and it, and I think to Cameron's credit, this movie is a historical, uh, you know, uh, a period piece, a romantic film uh, and a horror film wrapped all in one in a lot of ways. Like when it needs to be scary, you are genuinely scared. And when it needs to pour on the romance, you are, uh, you're feeling it, you know? But um, so as a nine year old, I was quite scared of this film. And uh, as an adult, you know, watching the whole thing through, uh, it is very long. But at the same time, it, it just, you know, it does flow really well. You get, uh, you know, you get, you get all the pieces that, you know, you want for the film. All the characters, they feel fairly well established. The performances are good. I, uh, I'll never get over in terms of, in terms of the, uh, production value 
the scale of the film, you know, the Titanic feels uh, like they really did bring it to life. Um, you know, we've come a long way in visual effects. And so when you're watching it back today, you can kind of, you know, uh, uh, we've gotten so used to things. You can kind of recognize, okay, this is sort of a digital version of the Titanic. And you can see little kind of rubbery looking people walking amongst the around the deck and stuff when some of the long shots. But I'm not trying to take away. I'm just saying, like, you know, that's the the disadvantage of time in some ways. Maybe the HD and the the 30, the 60 frames a second and all that will improve that. Who knows? Or maybe not. Um, but yeah, it is incredible. There were a lot of things that I noticed uh as an adult that I did not pick up on it on as a kid at all. And we could talk about those various things. Um, we will talk about the door controversy, I'm sure. Um, and I think I've come around to a different way of thinking about the door controversy, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I did. I really enjoyed my rewatch. Um, and I, uh, and I have, I have questions. I have comments, uh, that we can get into, but I want to hear what you guys uh, thought as well. Great. Great. Garrett Titanic go. Yeah. You know, it's very interesting, uh, to hear David talk because for me, I, you know, as a kid, my focus, uh, was not on the tragic, danger that presented itself and added to the fast pace of the movie. 11, 10 year old Garrett hated this movie because I didn't want to watch a love story. <laughs> oh, this movie's stupid. It's about romance. <laughs> so I hate robot chicken character right there. Thank you. Literally, that's that was it. I mean, um, as a kid, it was not a movie I was interested in because a it was long. It did come on two VHSs, which is dumb. To see, to see, it's stupid. To see it in real life, to live that life where you had the two VHS box set is this dumb thing. <laughs> but it, it was, it was. So I was like, no, I don't want to watch this three-hour love story. Yeah. Um. So the danger and the tragedy and all that stuff didn't really. Uh, a kick in to me as a kid. Um, you know, I also didn't really have a chance to process at the as a kid that it was real, like how real it was, right? How big of a scale it was. You know the Titanic is, but like as a kid, you see that and like for me, you go, eh, that's crazy. But for me, re-watching it, living through 9-11 and seeing how people react to that, all of it really came to make sense in, that, in, the, in the end, in the tragedy, in the, mm -hmm. in the when you think about how how petrified every single person is on that ship. And then, you know, you have, it does a really good job of showing you that class system. And it really does a good job of uh, making you feel like you are on the ship, both feeling below deck, on the deck, you know, where the, where the rich people are, how it's different. And, and it just really gives you that sense. And so watching it as an adult, I had a completely different um, mm -hmm. view of this movie because for me, the movie is now watching it as an adult, it was that tragedy, you know, the romance and everything that is it is just a fantastical version of something. And, and it's there to help tell the story of this tragedy and watching how they do that and then modernizing it with going under uh, the sea or the ocean and uh, finding the original one. And then they kind of explain it through digital technology at the time, how it works and how and it makes sense. Um, and it, it was just, I don't know, it was such a much better watch. And then you said that it felt long, but for me, David, I felt it like it flew. It did not feel like it was three hours and 15 minutes. Like you compare it to the Avatar, like Avatar movies feel long. 
this didn't feel long because the sense of wonder that it gave me, I wanted it. Um, and it was just, uh, it was really well, well done. Mm-hmm. Seven year or nine, 10, 11 year old Garrett was stupid. I think it does depend on when you start the movie too. Cause I, I foolishly started this movie at about nine o'clock at night. So I was like, <laughs> it was like midnight or like, it's like 1230. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so tired. That would make it long. Yeah, that'll do it. That'll do it. Um, so I had to go back and and really research my old noggin uh, to remember my personal history with Titanic because it's not a movie I remember seeking out a lot. But when I was watching it, I kept having these like moments of recall where I could just I you know those moments where you just like know what the next line is and you can't explain it. I got a lot of those. Mm-hmm. And come to find out, um, this is my sister's favorite movie ever. <laughs> and she watched it all the time. So I just have perpetual Titanic background memories, uh, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that helped with that. that um, helped. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I kind of, I remember liking it. Uh, David, I also remember finding it really scary and uh, like, uh, exorbitantly depressing uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> just so sad um but because as it, you know you're a kid and you like the action parts the second tape was my favorite tape because <laughs> because we we now, owned, we're in, now we're into it you know we we owned that two vhs tape collection and i don't remember exactly where the cutoff happens but tape two is the tape with the action <laughs> that's what i remember yeah it's 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 somewhere it's somewhere in the vicinity of the iceberg hit i think yeah. um but over the years, I didn't revisit it, and I kind of um, fell into the the mindset of, ah, Titanic, it's kind of overrated now. Uh, I don't think it's that good, yada, yada. People make fun of the door. You mentioned that earlier. Mm-hmm. But returning to it now as an adult, man, I kind of loved it. <laughs> it was mm-hmm. really good. I was super invested in the characters and the story. Mm-hmm. I and not just Jack and Rose, but so many of the side characters, many of which are real historical figures, which allowed me to go on the kind of nerdy rabbit hole digging that I do after movies. And now I'm mm-hmm. learning about people like the unsinkable Molly Brown and 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 whatnot. Very uh, interesting to kind of see how real people how Cameron had real people play a role in the the lives of these fictional uh, lovers. Mm-hmm. That was cool. Um, and then just the effort that went into recreating the ship, it looked as wondrous as they described it, I think is, is the best way I can, I can think like they talk it up about how this is the most amazing ship ever built. That whole beginning scene with, Leo playing cards for the ticket. It's the greatest ship ever. And they really sell it. Like and the visuals deliver. And that's really cool. Um, I really like the movie. I, I also think that it kind of, uh, d- it went a lot quicker than the three, 15, three hour, 15 minute runtime to me as well. Mm-hmm. And, I just, I don't know. I don't know what else I could say about it. I think it's, I think it, I think it might be Cameron's best film. I don't disagree with that. I mean, there's an argument for, for Terminator 2. I mean, for so long, it was the best movie of all time. Yeah. 
in so many different re- in, in aspects. I couldn't deny it in hindsight, you know. I couldn't. Sometimes, sometimes the meme of a thing takes over, right? Mm-hmm. Um, right. The 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 door. The I'll never let go. The it's been eighty four years. Years. All the stuff. These things. Oh, yeah. But I will say, I hate that song still. Still hate that song. Oh, I was gonna say that was one of my things I wanted to talk about. Is it's fine in the movie. A couple of times in the movie, but I don't ever want to hear it again. Sometimes when we do these retro reviews or you know these kind of older movies, we get to hear songs from movies that have become a part of the pop culture, like zeitgeist. The you know just the 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 ethos. You know it's gone into the ethos, and now just it's kind of weird sometimes. Now then go back and see the songs used in context. Because my heart will go on, kept playing, and I just know it now from that stupid boat uh, TikTok meme, um, where you know where it's played on a on a recorder or something like that. That's not all I know it from, but you know it's so weird for it to be for my heart to go on to be used unironically. You know what I mean? Like now it's so used to phone, you know, to like fake, uh, you know, heartfelt moment. Uh, and it has been for years. I mean, you know, obviously it was parodied to death after Titanic came out. So, you know, I just think that's always funny, whether it was this or whether it was uh, 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 Take My Breath Away and Top Gun or uh, I can't remember. I feel like there was another old movie we did and the song was in there and I was like, oh, gosh, it's well, we, we have said it, before we're using it seriously in this movie. And it's been so unserious for so long. In a lot of these older movies, you know, there used to be a song, you know, there mm-hmm. used to be a song that was created specifically for the pop cultureness, right? Mm-hmm. And so this song is well, you hear it throughout, right? You hear the, like it's a recurring theme. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's teased, it's bigger, it's smaller. And, and the only time that I truly ever want to hear the song, because I'm not going to deny the power of the song. The song's not the, the, the blame. The radio isn't living in that time period where it was just nonstop. And I didn't want to hear it again. Um, but I only want to hear this song because it's been teased so much. And so you know how you keep me through the credits? You build up a song, you give it to me, and then you make me listen to it through the credits. And that's what I wanted to do with this. I wanted to hear, you know, Celine hit that, I wanted to, I wanted to fist pump and power with her as she hit that note. And then I never want to hear it again. But I wish, I wish that was the thing that more movies did today was give you a song that had a recordable note throughout the thing. And then it makes you excited to hear that song. Top Gun, again, the, the way they treated whatever that song was. See, I don't even remember. But Take my play, breath away. You, yeah. Take my breath away. Yes, I want to hear them sing it, but I don't do, want to do, hear it outside do, of that. Again. Give me do, more do. movie created songs. Yeah, I think that's the issue is that uh, songs like My Heart Will Go On were composed by uh, the film's composer for the movie. It was not a it was not a song that was selected for the movie or anything like that. It was written by James Horner for the movie. They asked Celine Dion to record it. So and they don't do that anymore. It feels like they just kind of pick a song and try to make it fit in the movie versus Mm -hmm. write a song for the movie. Uh, cause yeah, there's no denying how massive that song was and still is. It was the best selling single worldwide in 1998. Um, and back then singles were sold on a CD. <laughs> yes. You yeah. had to buy a CD with one, maybe two songs on it. <laughs> yeah. And that was the best selling one in the world. 
Right. <laughs> you know, and I'm I'm reading here that even Cameron had to be sold on. So like the they composed the 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 score with the My Heart Will Go On uh right melody. But uh, apparently they wrote someone uh, uh I'm trying to read here. James Horner, who was a composed film, wrote the lyrics for My Heart Will Go On in Secret. And they got Celine to record a demo for it. And they had to they they were had they had to wait till Cameron was in a really good mood. Cameron was worried that having a sort of song version of the score at the end of the movie, he worried it was too commercial. So he thought he was going to get it. He thought that, uh, I, I guess, other, I guess film critics or other directors would think that he had sold out by doing that sort of thing at the end of his movie. I don't know. But, uh, yeah. Well, and, and good song. And mo- more than that, uh, what makes Cameron a, probably the best person to tell the story at the time is because how much he cared about the story of the Titanic. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of it was that he uh, didn't want to make the light of the tragedy or make it seem disrespectful by putting a pop song on top of it. Mm-hmm. It was also a concern of his. So he was very careful to make sure this movie, while partially fictionalized, also honored uh, the real life people who were killed and other victims who survived and their families and all that. And I think that's a hard thing to do mm-hmm. to kind of make a movie that's telling a different story around a real life tragedy and still make it respectful. It, it It's not easy. Yeah. I think he had a, you know, like you said, he had a profound interest in making sure that he was respecting uh, those who died and those who survived. Um, you know, I think he said that it's, you know, he spent a lot of time in submersibles, you know, yeah, surveying the Titanic and being around the Titanic. He, he realized at a certain point that he had he had spent more time in and around the Titanic than the people who were on it when, you know, uh, uh, and, and who survived that day and who died that day um, or died that night. And so, um, you know, it's a. It's a, it is a really powerful story, and it is this crazy uh, tragedy. And we can um, we can get more into the actual story of it here as we go. But like, it is like um, they really do, they really did a good job in the film of even though you're getting a lot of Rose's perspective of Rose being conveniently at the right places at the right time to hear some of the events that led to the tragedy you know them deciding you know she was she was conveniently nearby when they said hey why haven't you lit the last burners you know or something like that to make it go as fast as possible and he's like you know and that's all very interesting um the chain of events that led to this incident um because it sounds because you know initially because i think a lot of people you just want to think like oh they were just idiots they just didn't see a giant iceberg but there's a lot of factors going into you know sailing a really giant ship in the middle right you don't just turn a ship dark of the atlantic yeah Yeah. right well and it's the one of the i mean at the time it was the biggest ship in the world and there had never been anything like it and so everything to scale that people Mm -hmm. were ready for um was you you know you, you treat it like what you know but you don't know um and so they thought they had enough time they thought you know, that, you know, not only was this ship huge, it was fast, mm-hmm. right? And so the speed at which it's going and the size at which it's going, 
you got to move it. You got to, you got to be quicker. And they weren't, they thought they could handle it. And it was, and it was wrong. And, you know, one of the things that I found very interesting was uh, in a class that I've been taking, it it was crisis management is the class. I mean, this is something that, you know, if you're, if you're a crew member or or the, the architect or the captain of the biggest ship in the world, there's media at the time, which was mostly just newspapers or radio, um, you know, all of this is prepared and, and, and like, you've got this, this stuff to live up for. You've got to be prepared. And nobody on this ship was prepared for anything. And yeah. I don't think they were idiots. Again, you look at how tragedy and crises impact people. And these people were not prepared. They were all told that this ship was unsinkable and they had no reason to believe otherwise because they were all told this. And so they weren't prepared. It was like, oh, sinkable iceberg. Yeah, we'll crush the iceberg. Right. And they never even considered it to be a possibility. And so when it happened, they all, just like everybody else, not intended for the pun, but they all froze. And they all just acted in their self-interest and self-preservation. And that's just the way people act in a Mm -hmm. crisis if they're not prepared. Well, like you said, there's, you know... uh, it's easy to throw away, throw around a term like idiots, but I think also, you know, in addition to the the types of stories that Cameron wove in here, the themes that Cameron wove in here, obviously hubris is a big element of it. And we have a few different characters in this movie. Um, there's the guy who, uh, he didn't design the ship, but he, you know, commissioned it to be built or something. And he's obviously all, we got all this hubris. He thinks it's unsinkable. He said, you know, he was a part of this planning that said, you know, Hey, we don't, these lifeboats, these extra lifeboats are just going to clutter up the place and make it look ugly. Let's skimp on the lifeboats, you know, and things like that. The ship can't sink anyway. Right. Why would we need all these lifeboats? Um, You have Victor Garber in an excellent role playing the um, actual, uh, I think, I don't know, you don't call him an architect uh, in, in shipbuilding, but whatever, the yes. engineer. Mr. Andrews. And who does a wonderful job. I think an underrated mm-hmm. performance by Victor Garber in this movie um, does feel a certain, uh, he wants to be confident that this is going to work and that, you know, that his fears are uh, unfounded. But you can tell that he, he he doesn't believe it. He does. There's a part of him that's like, we're playing with fire by not having extra lifeboats. We're playing with fire by going this, you know, going as fast as possible. The, the the captain feels that way. He's you know going against his better judgment, um, because you know he's being you know he's having his own sense of ego and his own sense of professional pride called into question of why not go faster? Why not? really show what this ship can do you know um and so the human level of like let's let's you know let's be bigger let's be better let's be the greatest we can be you know uh with everything and how that uh at least in the film contributed to the incident i think is it's fascinating and it's it's something that we see a lot it's something that we see uh, a lot in film is just humans lacking the foresight of what their own, you know, of these types of situations. And I want, I do want to say one other thing that, you know, I mentioned, I said that, you know, a lot of it was them not being prepared. There's also a level of classism in this movie that is also, that needs to be uh, talked about because what they may not have been prepared for, what they were prepared for was to save the important people. That definitely was a thing, you know, debated one way or another, how it's, 
you know, what's real, what's not in this fictional telling of this real tragedy. But that is definitely something that I imagine. I don't know the survivor rate. There were roughly 2,200 people. Josh, you looked into more like factual stuff than I did. But there were 2,200-ish people on the ship. 1,500-ish people died. I think I remember, Josh, you saying that there it was real that some lifeboats were not full. And I imagine that the ones that were full or relatively full were of the women and children or the upper class society and not those in the below decks. And I'm sure that was done on, you know, purpose yep. or, or uh, that was thought out based on who should be saved and who should not be. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they were that. Yeah. You basically recounted what I read. The ship was not prepared to sink because ships were genuinely considered unsinkable. Um, and, they only had a, about uh, they only had enough lifeboats for about half the the I keep wanting to say crew, but that's not the word. Um, um, yeah, the, the, passengers. the passengers. Yeah, yeah. they only had uh, enough boats for about half of them, and many of them they sent out barely half full anyway. So uh, they were like wildly unprepared and wildly untrained mm-hmm. to handle it. Uh. <laughs> that was a good combo. <laughs> No, and and you know what I do like, like Garrett, you talked about the, the the classism in the movie, and the movie makes you know Cameron makes an effort to show how the classes interact throughout the movie in different ways, how they party, how they drink, how they interact with, how men and women interact in these different classes, um, and you see how they respond to crisis as well, because you know the. The upper class, they're just like chilling, like, oh, you know, hey, yeah. we'll get on these boats. You know, this will all be over in a few minutes. Everything's Meanwhile, okay. We're getting on the know, boats to safety. You know, the, the people coming in, you know, men, uh, gent, uh, madam, sir, we're going to have to ask you to put your life vests on uh, and walk out with us today. Meanwhile, in the lower class, is just some guy yelling, get your life vests on and chucking them at him. Come on, get out, get your life vests on. And uh, it's just, it's just how... It's it's crazy to think that even in a moment of crisis, you would have this sense of. I mean, I, I wish I could think of a better word than classism, but that you, that you could have a you know that you could maintain that, and you see them maintaining that even throughout, like even in really weird scenarios, like hey, you know, you're not supposed to be up here, or um, at the end right. of the movie, at the end of the movie, Billy Zane walks down and goes, "I don't think any of your people are going to be down here. This is all steerage, you know, like." Yeah. Well, when you live a life where, you know, your environment is catered to mm. versus uh, you just live with what you're given, uh, their natural order hadn't been upset like that before. So, they, of course, they just assumed everything was okay. It always has been because mm. someone else will take care of it. And mm. I will await for them to uh, make me comfortable kind of thing. Um, yeah. as <laughs> well. I wanted to talk about, let's talk about Jack. Yeah, yeah, I was going to ask if we could steer the ship over to the romance. Yeah, yeah so I want to talk about. Yeah, I want to talk about actors in general, but let's start with Leo. Yeah, Jack. Uh, Leo, his, you know, this is his catapult to stardom role. Um, well, he was already a he was already a name, um, but this this is what made him like the cover mm-hmm. of every magazine and everything yes. in the world was Titanic, and I think he does a great job. This is a, a really strong performance from him. I don't really have I don't have any notes. Like no. I'm gonna give like I'm gonna give notes to 1997 Leo DiCaprio. Give doesn't me a freaking break. <laughs> doesn't it feel though like he aged three years over the course of this performance though? Like over the course of this movie, he like looked like 
he looked 15 at the beginning and he looked like in his 30s by the end of it it does and i feel like if you live through that experience or in his case you lived up to a point um you would age that quickly too maybe i mean it was a very stressful situation i mean he's so charming he's so casual uh he doesn't seem like he doesn't even though he's also weirdly enough he's like the american like there's like everybody else is like you know uh some level of european Right, he's like right. seemingly so what him and Kathy Bates are like the only Americans on board. Yeah, Jack's uh, whole thing is he's a he's a struggling artist for, uh, mm-hmm. uh, who who has won his ticket to the Titanic in a in a in a bet, a mm-hmm. game of poker, mm-hmm. and uh, he proclaims himself the luckiest guy in the world mm-hmm. because he gets he to go home. He's not wrong. Yeah, he gets for him, home. for him, he's going home. Right uh, on a big ass ship. Going back to Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin. That's right. That's right. Uh, but his parts of the movie, I like his parts of the movie the most, I think, because mm-hmm. when we're with Jack, we get to see the interesting parts of the ship, right? Not mm-hmm. the fancy stuff that Rose is always around, but the real stuff. Right. Uh, we get what? to see that other, the other side of this class system. Right. And when, and when he, moves between those class systems like i I mean that's kind of interesting part too is seeing him put in put out of you know kind of how he manages to hold his own in this like upper class like you know that dinner scene where um rose's mom is like trying to embarrass him and billy zane's kind of trying like you know he's trying to embarrass him a little bit but he's also kind of feeling he's feeling him out a little bit but you know but he holds his own jack holds his own really well um you know you're you're rooting for him you're rooting for yeah underdog exactly yeah yeah i think that he did a great job um i was looking it up here and you know i don't know i'm not i'm not andrew so don't have the oscar information but he was not nominated at all for this he was despite his movie being nominated for 11 he was not nominated for best actor and i don't know who was i don't know who won i cannot add to this but i do think that while his parts of the movie are more interesting i think his character arc is less i think that he generally stays kind of the same i mean he's he doesn't he goes through a different kind of thing but i think that kate winslet Mm -hmm. and rose i think that character and that performance it really is a while the aspects of the movie are the more you know upper class and less interesting parts I think that her performance yes. and what she shows and goes through is more and and more dem- commanding than Leo's, and that's not to knock on Leo. It's no, just no. that she is, she has so much more. To and, it is, and it is and it is her story. It's like, her yes, story. Right. She's the one telling it for that matter, and yeah. and so it's her. She's an argument that could be made that in the literal sense, Jack is the antagonist. He is the person with the point of view who is challenging Rose as the protagonist to change her, her life, her, you know, change to challenge. She's challenging her and that plays out through a love story. And ultimately he does change her. She changes how she's going to live her life for him. You know, um, uh, that's not to say he's the villain. Um, people uh, conflate antagonist and villain a lot of times in these types of stories, but um, in the truest sense, he has an alternative worldview that Rose is looking for. Rose feels trapped in her life and she isn't just needed someone like Jack to come along and explain to her, you don't have to live the life that they tell you you're supposed to live. 
And that's what she's been waiting for her whole life. And it just sets her on a different path. Like you said, we see her. She's the one that grows. She's the one that changes over the course of the film. I think that their individual performances are so good. But the one the one thing that doesn't give this movie that for me, and this might be, this is going to be controversial, I probably, maybe not amongst you two, but I think amongst everybody else that will listen or exists. I don't think that the actual romance part of the movie is very strong. I don't think James Cameron is good at that. I just don't think he's good at it. I think it's very, I think it is good enough to service the rest of the fantastic movie. And that's really all that it needs to be. But like looking at it as itself, like their interactions, I'm going like, oh, whatever, I don't care. Like I like them, I like the arcs. I just don't believe the relationship really. Part of that might be, Josh, in your research, did you find uh, any information about, you know, there's a scene where she goes to thank him uh, after he's invited to dinner, but before they have the dinner. He's, she goes to thank him, right? And this is when she finds his book with all his drawings of his French girls. And then he teaches her how to spit. Apparently, what I read was a lot of that, James Cameron allowed uh, Winslet and DiCaprio to improv because to, he just wanted the, he wanted an authentic element of them flirting so they're just like you know hey here's an outline of what to talk about get there and i thought that was the most awkward part of the movie so i don't know that might be what you're talking about because that their interaction there was was very awkward and did not seem like i was like is are they like do they not remember their lines and that might be why it was about as awkward as any uh, situation where one would ask someone to draw them naked i think uh, <laughs> oh, this is pre yeah this is pre the naked part but yeah right right but no i i i i think they had pretty good chemistry honestly mm. uh well, they had great chemistry as it kept going yeah their chemistry does definitely evolve to the point where i yeah. i could i completely believe they love each other um mm-hmm. especially at the end but i i believe it i believe that they love each other yeah yeah yeah, I think Winslet does a good job here. Um, I think Rose, I believe that they love each other in the moment. I don't yeah. really believe that anybody falls in love in a day, but <laughs> get real swept up in the, oh, the energy of everything. Oh, I'm back. Oh, there we go. You know, oh, anybody can get swept yeah. up. You can get swept up in a day. Really feel it. Um, yeah, exactly. That's 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 that passion. I think that um, it, there is a kind of a weird thing. So of Rose as a character is very like. We're swinging and a missing tonight, boys. Dun-dun, dun-dun, dun-dun. David, he's gone. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I Again, I believe that their chemistry is there but it is something that just, I don't know, it didn't necessarily win. Again, it's serviceable and it's good. I, do, do I think it's the level of like Romeo and Juliet love? I don't know. I don't know. I think there are better love stories. I can't name anyone on the top of my head. But like, you know, I don't know if it's at that level. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I know. I'm at, I'm, I, Jack, and, Jack and Rose one of the, is one of the great love stories. Yeah. You know, I mean, I buy it. They've, you know, they got hot and heavy. Um, yeah in that car are you kidding me oh yeah and you know that car fun fact really was there they know it was there uh it was on the manifest so that's how they know it was there they uh, they fogged up the windows in that old chevy biggest ship Um, in the world smallest place to find 
to well, in fact, it, it was actually Renault, but you know, the, the, the joke doesn't work if you say right. the old Renault. Yeah, that's what I thought. I was like, really? This is Jack, this is where you take her? This this big wonderful ship, you find a backseat of a car. You are an American man. Yeah. Oh man. Come on. Come on, man. Uh but that's hey, you know what? Treat her uh, right. You know, that was uh did, I'm though. assuming that's uh that because I don't think she and uh I don't want to say Billy Zane. Let's what's his real what's the character's name? Hockley. Uh, I don't think her and Hockley had been intimate. So listen, uh, I'll t- I'm gonna call him Billy so, Zane. Billy think, Zane is he not the most insufferable character ever made? I mean, but is but, but and he Zane, has to be. But as a performance, though, Billy Zane, great, right? Oh, he killed it, but he's the most I, insufferable character ever. Oh, I know, and but I I feel bad because Leo, uh, Kate Winslet, their careers. Billy Zane, he's a great bad guy in this, and he I feel like he didn't really go anywhere after afterwards. Where's yeah. Billy Zane's reward? Maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he was awful and everybody hates him. I don't, I don't know. Well, you know, he has to suck. He has to be extremely hateable for the right. audience to be okay with uh, with Kate uh, breaking up the engagement and Running leaving off. him for Jack, after right. a man that she just met. You have to hate him, otherwise you'd oh, be yeah. like Rose. If can, he was a cool dude, it would be. Can like, you? Ha- we should have a talk at least. Yeah. It would be. It would make you would feel bad for him. You don't want to. You know. Right. You don't want the audience to feel bad for the guy. You cannot feel bad for Billy Zane. At the altar. And I never did. He was um, an awful person from the start. But uh, uh, but still, uh, great performance by Billy himself. Yes, he really is nails very it. Good. Really nails yeah. it. Um, Josh, I want to talk to you because I think you. I, I hope you will know what I'm talking about. Um, there is a very. There's an actor in this movie. Who plays? Um, oh, I can't find his act. I can't find the character in the cast list. But his name's Spicer. He was uh, Billy Zane's right hand man. The guy he made go do everything. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, chased okay. him down, and uh, you know he had him all locked up. So the actor is um, I can't find his name. The actor was uh he was the the Cardassian on Star Trek who who tortured Picard. You know with the four wow. lights. The four lights, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, I kind of remember this. Yeah, great actor. Anyway, is that good Star that, Trek? Good Star Trek actor. Great, great Star Trek actor. Been in Star Trek actually, he was in a lot of Star Trek. He was in like undiscovered he was in the Undiscovered Country and some other movies. But uh, uh I thought that guy was really good. I thought that he was uh, menacing. Uh, and I'm glad, and I thought it was interesting that they gave that to like a really kind of an older car- older guy as a role when it seems like kind of a young guy, young man's game to be chasing Leonardo DiCaprio all over the boat. Right, right. Um, one more dynamic I want to talk about before we move on to uh, some other things is how do we feel about the way the story is told through um, right. a, a kind of a narrative storytelling yeah. with a present day yes uh, bill paxton piloting a submarine down to the titanic yada 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 meeting present day rose mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um and then telling her story did, did that work for everybody you you go first garrett um i think it did for me because i think that helps with the real life tragedy of the situation yeah um I think that if you tried to find a story to tell in there that was real, you probably could. Um, but I think that by fantastic, by making this a more fantastical situation and 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 a 
fictional version of a thing. Um, you can tell the tale with the tragedy in the background, but the story of these two fictional characters in there, and it doesn't offend as many people as you possibly could in a tragic situation like this. Like you said, it's a difficult story to tell. And so if you tell it through the eyes of fictional characters on a real life thing, I think it, I think it helps. And you, and again, talking about how he treated it um, as, and he was very careful with it. So I think it was handled well. I think in other people's hands, it could have been bad, but uh, no, I think that was a good idea. So I am of two minds about it because I almost would rather it just not be there because mm. I feel like, like I, I, I actually really do like it because I think that um, uh, Gloria Stewart is a great actress. She plays old Rose and she does, a, she's really, she's funny. She is sincere. Um, she's playing 20 years older than she is in that, into this particular moment. Um, I will, Bill Paxton, like Bill Paxton is great in everything. Like Sorry I love for Bill Paxton. Paxton's that band I want to hang out with, man. Um, I want to hear him hang out and talk about I, so I think I think what we get at the beginning is really good. It's an interesting framing device of they find this thing and then they find the woman who did it and then that's how you tell the story. But for me, I like that I like those characters. I, I find my I found myself like in, I enjoy those characters. But because we get them at the beginning, we get like two snippets of them for the next two and a half hours. And then when it gets to the end, when she finishes her story, Bill Paxton just like walks out on a ravine and goes, I always thought I'd find it one day, but I didn't shoot. And then it's just like, that's it. Bill Paxton's story. Hey, is over. Like, that's there's adventuring. No, there's no real conclusion for them in modern day, because I mean, the conclusion is uh, I thought the old lady dropped it into the ocean at the end. You know, like that's the. Uh, conclusion of the present day story and it just like it feels like it's just like oh but end you know like that's the you know like we got i forgot we were telling a modern day story part as well um and so part of me is almost like i wish it wasn't there because i feel like it, it tells itself straightforward or you could just have the lady tell the story it doesn't have to be set up with this whole them diving and bill paxton being like oh i want to find this thing oh i'm so excited and then and then it just doesn't that that story just kind of ends like you could just have her telling her granddaughter, hey, here's the story of how I survived the Titanic um, without the way they were doing it. Um, but, I, you know, at the same time, I do like Bill. I do. I do. I do like the opening. I like Bill Paxton. I like his weird friends. It feels like they left Twister straight to do this. Yeah. I in my that, world, that is the same crew from Twister. I, in my opinion, I think. I think that the modern day stuff there is essentially an afterthought, but it helps you set the tone that this is real, right? I think mm -hmm. that's what it's there for. I, I mean, yeah, I don't think Bill Paxton uh, signed on for this, for the uh, the, the well-written character script that he was given. Um, I think that, I think that he got to see the Titanic in real life on a, on one of those boats. I think that mess is real. Um, I think that's cool. And I think mm -hmm. I'd do that too. <laughs> yeah so i think that that it's there to be like this is real this mm. is something that is real while the story that you're about to hear may not be this ship everything that you're about to see these walls all of this is literally sitting at the bottom of the ocean and you people watching this movie get to see that and i think that's why it's there i don't think it's there to be in that sense of like 
full on storytelling. I think it's just there to. Help I know, but party. well, I, know, I don't think that's, that's I don't. Why, yeah. I don't think there's a reason. I don't think you should focus on on Bill Paxton's story. He's a side character. No. Uh, the reason it's there is is to give Rose closure at the end. Right. Um, when she returns the heart of the ocean, her heart back to Jack mm-hmm. in the ocean. And then I'm not thinking about Bill Paxton. <laughs> I know. But why are you thinking about Bill she can, Paxton? She can finally because, look up. because he's the, he, he's the entry point to the story. You know what I mean? He so is, like it is. Like he's he he's what opens the movie is his his team trying to find this thing, and like and I appreciate it as a structured for telling the story, but it just feels like it feels like <clears throat> the story in the past ends, and then there's like th- three minutes left in the movie, and so this modern day story doesn't have any sort of real conclusion other than you know, she secretly drops this diamond that she's had for 70, 84 years that she, you know, could have sold at any point and made a lot of money, but, uh, she drops it in the ocean, but like, you know, but it's a secret for us, the audience, but I'm not saying like, I needed like, you know, another 30 minutes with Bill Paxson. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I don't know. It feels like, it feels like a, a lot of effort to, for like the setup and then no effort for the conclusion of it. You know what I mean? That's all I'm, it felt like if it, it also felt like there was a deleted scene where he was having a romance with this lady's granddaughter. Cause like, why is he, <laughs> why, why is he, why is he opening up to her at the end of this story? He's like, they're, they're, they're the ones sitting there on the railing going, well, you know, they thought this was going to work out, but it didn't. That diamond's lost forever. Why is he telling, his granddaughter? Why is he telling her granddaughter? I don't disagree with the romance part. I did feel like he was kind of making some moves there as he after heard that story. But it's all, you have to, you have to infer all of it just from the fact that they're sitting next to each other a lot. This story took a few days because that guy, that one, that guy with the long hair, he changed shirts. Yeah, well, you don't, you can't, you can't just go down there, you know, lickety split. Takes a minute. Um, okay. I wanted to talk about favorite parts real quick. Mm-hmm. And the door. Got to okay. talk about the door. So, um, um, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll have to do some cutting here. <clears throat> Okay, real quick, let's uh, let's let's rapid fire some some favorite moments from the movie. Oh, the party scene! I like the party scene. Which party uh, below scene? Deck, <laughs> below deck party scene. Actually, yeah. you know what? I really liked. I like honestly, I, this whole movie and like this experience watching this was like weird because it was the, it felt like the first time. Um, so I just like as a favorite part, I liked the contrast. I liked the way that Cameron showed the snootiness, boringness, hoity-toityness of that upper-classness with the fun, like we're just trying to survive community feeling Mm -hmm. of those below deck. I really liked that. And when they showed the fun parts of those people who were living in, uh, or currently in like shambles under the deck and they were just living their lives and having a great time until, you know, shit went crazy. uh, I really liked that. Um, David. One of my favorite parts is Jack completely forgetting about his friend Fabrizio, who he won these things <laughs> with, getting that dude killed. What a jerk. Uh, he was a nice guy. I feel bad for Danny Nucci. The man was literally one foot away from Leonardo DiCaprio as he uttered one of the most infamous or one of the most famous lines in cinema history. I'm the king of the world. And nobody knows Danny Nucci's name. I know. Poor people guy. people remember that as like being Jack and Rose, but it's not. It's Jack and Fabrizio. It's right. It's Jack and right. Fabrizio. He, and he, the, Jack got Fabrizio killed. 
And that happened. By winning that ticket and taking him with him. And then he didn't even hang out with him on the boat for like days. He was too busy off with this chick. You know, that happens for... very quickly in the movie with the uh, yeah, I'm the king of the world too. Bro and code, then, and then you know what happens bros to, first. You know what happens to Fabrizio? Uh, does Jack check on him? Uh, you know when he's you know as the movie's ending. No, Fabrizio's swimming in the water, and then he gets a the big smokestack mm-hmm. falls on him in the yeah. water. I'll tell you this. That sucks. Poor Fabrizio. Yeah, but that might have been a better ending than Jack got. It was quicker. Yeah, dude froze to death. Um, no, but seriously, a favorite part. Uh, most of the stuff with Kathy Bates, she was, uh, she was Always great. great. Always great. Uh, I mentioned Victor Garber earlier. Uh, most of the stuff with Victor Garber. Great. Um, I'm trying to think of something really specific. I, I, hmm. I like the part where, uh, Kate Winslet is practicing with the ax to mm-hmm. cut the handcuffs. That's very funny. Yes. It's a little bit of it's a little bit of light humor in a moment in a, in, when yes. you don't expect yeah. it. Yeah. I'm trying to hit the exact moment. same spot. Way off. Yeah. <laughs> I was actually like and he was like, "You know what? Just go for it." I'm like, "No, no, don't go for it. No, don't, don't go, go for it." You know, don't go for it. Please choke all the way up on the axe. Um, I think one of my favorite bits which is, you know, bit is more of a comedic thing, but I, I, I would be remiss not to mention the uh, the quartet <laughs> that plays yeah. as they sing. Um, also kind of memed over the years, but also uh, this testament to, you know, these characters. I don't know if they were real or not, but either way, mm-hmm. um, they they went down doing their job. Yeah, Because they, they like they... to play music. They just had a, they had, they felt like they had a duty to yep. keep uh, things civil or at least a, 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 an element, a, 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 some form of civility or calmness to the right. thing. Right. That's great. Um, one of my least favorite parts, and I've said this for my entire life, and now it has it's re- the meaning has reversed now, is when Jack and Rose find a crying eight year old uh, as the sink, ship is sinking, they try to save him. The guy's dad runs and takes him, and they and then the dad runs down the hall, and the door explodes, and that dad and his kid just get washed away by a wall of water. As a kid, mm-hmm. it terrified me, thinking about me dying with my dad. Now I'm d- thinking about it for me dying with my son, and I literally cried watching that happen again. Yeah, anytime I see a kid you, in that movie, and I, I cried with that lady tucking her kids into sleep when they know they're about. You know, she knows they're like minutes. She knows around. there's nothing that yeah that she can she do. Just, Yep. That was also heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. I believe that. Well, let's talk about the door. Yep. Let's, we're running let's, along, let's, boys. Yep, let's wrap this up with the door. I hate to say it. I, I think the door wasn't going to be able to hold them. I agree. It the was door big wouldn't have held them. It was big enough, but I don't know if it would have supported the both weight. of their weights. Yeah. It's the weight. And, and the displacement of it. You know, I just don't think... Don't think yeah. it would have worked. One, yeah, one of them would have had to be hunched in the corner. Would have had to been Kate. Uh, Leah would have had to been, you know, a little more kind of on all fours and spread out to di- to displace his weight. Yeah, a little they would have. I think both had to been lying across it like this in order to maybe keep it upright. But I don't know if that would have worked either. But you know what? It's worth a shot. It when is worth- life or death is on the line. It's like, hey, let me just jump on there. If it doesn't work, I will get back in the water. But maybe we can give it a shot. Yeah, he did. He 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 was he was determined. He said, you know, it won't hold me. It won't hold me, Rose. 
Um, so at least he thought about it. But, you know, I don't know. I get why people, you know, size-wise, it does look like it would hold them both. And it probably would. But I think the the ultimate question is whether or not it would keep them out of the water, which was cold enough to kill them uh, on temperature alone. And that's probably not uh, possible. So, but, uh, you know what? James Cameron needs some plugs from us. Uh, earlier this month, uh, National Geographic ran a special with um, James Cameron where he goes back to Titanic. Uh, 25 years later, it's the 25th anniversary special where apparently he's going to do some myth-busting test to figure out uh, if Jack could have survived on the door or not. Will Adam and Jamie be there? Probably not, but wouldn't that be something? You know what? That would be amazing. It feels like a, it, that feels like an experiment they would have done at oh, some point over back. the years. Because they did, they did some movie-themed episodes. They did. You're telling me Mythbusters never did this? James Cameron. I, mean, I don't know if they needed to get like rights to that. Yeah. 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 Can yeah. I offer uh, 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 another theory about the door? Yes, one last theory. I think that the door and the whole situation of who could, could they both have fit, I don't think it's really about the door. I think that at a subconscious level, people don't think Rose deserved to live. <gasps> Whoa. That's what I really think because Rose is kind of a selfish, spoiled brat who compares getting married to a rich guy to being a slave. And it's, she has her insufferable things. She does grow, but she does also jump off of a, at least two, at least, a lifeboat at least once. She has multiple times where she could live and she chooses to run back to be with Jack, which is romantic, sure. But also, this woman's too dumb to live. And yet, Jack does everything he can, right, to, to keep him keep her alive. And she lives and she has a happy life. And I think people there's a there's a I think there's a contingent of people who are like, Jack deserved to live because he's a good guy who kept fighting. And Rose was literally too dumb to stay on a lifeboat. And I think that those people, I think that's why people are mad that Jack died and that Rose lived and that she, they, that she, she had made room on the door. Listen, the well, real I'm not saying I is, think that, or I believe that, but I think that's no. what people actually are saying. I think the real answer is that in our society, 99% of the time, there's always a reason for people to be upset with the woman lives and the man dies. <laughs> I think that's just the way that people, I think it's just like, oh, the woman lived, I don't like that, man. White man lives, live. What's the guy got to die? If, if people don't think Rose deserves to die, or deserves to live, they can get, they can get, they can get lost. They can get lost. So I'll, I'll leave it PG, but they can get lost. That's, that's my answer to that. Wow. Um, yeah. No, I, I, I don't, I don't think that's the case. <laughs> you don't think that's secretly what people are thinking? I think not really. I, I, I think that people are too upset at the thought of this uh, budding love being cut so tragically short. That's what I think. I think people wanted Jack to live, and I'm not saying they wanted Rose to die, but they don't think that. I think You're there's a lot of people thinking that it. they should have both. I think there's a lot of people who think that they either should have both died or both lived. That they shouldn't have. One of them shouldn't have made it, and the other not. Well, you uh, let us know whether you think Rose or Jack should have lived by voting on. Did they our have Instagram both gone page. and both or both lived? You know, let us know. Um, I also think that the door thing is not even the biggest plot contrivance of the movie. It's the fact that that diamond managed to stay in her pocket when she was sucked underwater. Like okay. how in the how in the heck 
Is this diamond managed to stay in her pocket over the course of all the things that happened to her? She gets was, washed into water. She's it was heavy, her. okay? It was heavy. It's, it's fine. a heavy diamond, so it'll stay the, in that the, pocket. The, the pocket had a button, and it was heavy. It's yes. fine. You know, so that's all I'm saying is it's uh, that's that's I think a bigger stretch than the door personally, but uh, you know, yeah, the, the diamond didn't kill anybody. <laughs> uh, okay, that let's 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 wrap up our discussion on Titanic. Uh, well, clearly, we all think it's a good movie. We'll get to our ratings in a little bit, but let's talk about how this was uh, the highest grossing movie of all time for a good chunk of time. It was, um, you know, so Titanic opened December 19th, 1997. Um, just before Christmas. Now, um, a lot of times we talk about highest grossing movies of all time, and we talk about movies that made a lot of money at the box office. They had huge opening weekends. That is not the case for the Titanic. Um, the Titanic's opening weekend was $28.6 million. Um, It was, uh, let's see if I have that it's relatively stat relatively right small. Away. I think I have this stat right here. It's, uh, I don't, but it's, it's opening was barely you know, like a percentage of its total, total gross. Um, you know, so it, it opened the weekend, like I said, of December, December 19th, uh, to 28 million. It was hotly contested with tomorrow never dies, which also opened that weekend. New James Bond movie brought in 25.1 scream two was still in theaters. It brought in 13.9, uh, mouse hunt brought in $6 million. And then at number five in its fourth week, you had flubber, which brought in 4.2. Mouse Hunt and Flubber are. I never movies. could get well, on board with Flubber. I, uh, <laughs> really? Oh, Flubber. I couldn't. Sorry, Robin. I couldn't do a it. A great movie for a seven-year-old. Those movies are childhood favorites. Um, so Titanic, like I said, did not make a lot of money in its opening weekend, but what it did was it kept making twenty-ish million dollars every weekend for eleven straight weekends. So it opened 28 million the next week, 35 million. Week after that, 33. The week after that, 28. The week after that, 30, 36, 25. This movie did not drop below, uh, did not have a weekend below 20 million until its 11th week. It kept making, it just kept raking in money at the box office for, I believe, 41 or 42 straight weeks. Um, And it would finish domestically in the United States with $600 million. It would finish internationally with 1.2 million for a worldwide total of 1.8 million dollars, um, and that's actually a little. I that might be a little bit ballooned with the re-releases, but um, as of today, it is still the eighth highest-grossing movie domestically. It is still the third highest-grossing movie uh, worldwide with um, 2.1 million based on all its re-releases um, over time. Uh, box office mojo, uh, estimates that the movie is still the fifth highest grossing film of all time adjusted for inflation. Um, uh, you know, as of right now, it's sitting in that number three spot for, for worldwide gross avatar way of water is very close to passing it just 20 million behind. Um, and, uh, you know, at this point way of water, I don't know. It needs. Remember, Titanic's got a re-release coming out though. Eight hundred million re-release. Yeah, so it's so Titanic probably add a little bit to that that number even still. Um, it was, I believe, the yeah. So it was like Josh said, it was the highest grossing movie of all time. It passed Jurassic Park to do that. Um, it held oh, that record. Jurassic Park. Wow. Yeah, it held that. It held that spot for twelve years, being surpassed by Avatar, which again was another Cameron film. Um, and. 
it was the first film in history to make a billion dollars worldwide. A a feat that has now become so common that it's not even really worth noting anymore. But in 1997, that was unbelievable. And and, uh, it's still kind of unbelievable to think that it happened in 1997 when you think about international releases were were still kind of uh, on the scale that it was released, kind of new. Um, It was... What was the stat I read here a minute ago? It was the first film to it was the first like it was one of the first like american films to do really really well in india like um india didn't have a lot of didn't import movies very much from the united states but they brought in titanic and it just did huge and all of a sudden now india is like oh wow american movies are good wow um you know it changed it changed a lot of things so it was because of titanic that i think international releases became more popular you got to see more more movies started looking for that worldwide appeal um and i'll leave it at that and i'll throw it to you guys for the letterbox game all right it's time to see how what uh letterboxd thinks of titanic while we on while we ponder our guesses here are some of uh, my favorite most popular reviews of titanic three stars watch this for the first time as god intended on two vhs tapes uh, four stars, The Way of Water. Uh, <laughs> four stars, <laughs> wow, fucked up if true. <laughs> and then finally, four stars, quote, winning that ticket was the best thing that ever happened to me. Was it, though? <laughs> oh, poor Jack. <laughs> Uh, so uh, what do we think? What are, what are our guesses for Titanic? Uh, <laughs> I oh goodness, I mm, eh, three point eight. Let me just throw it out. Solid. That's a good guess. Uh, you know, I I always try to go back to those dang Lord of the Rings movies, and I can never <laughs> remember where they fall. <laughs> I think they're like all four point one. All are Lord they? of the Rings. I think so. Really. I see that they're all 4.3. I can't remember. I don't think they're Lord of the Rings, obviously. Uh, 3.9. Those 3. are 9. such great guesses. They leave me no choice but to go below you guys. Um, and I'll say 3.7. Wow. We're just, really just going to stack up on top of I each mean, other here. We're going to split every hair. Okay, this yeah. week... We have a direct hit. We got a direct hit, don't we? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. We got a direct hit. And it's, it's me. Yeah. I'm the problem. Good for you. Yeah. There we it's go. Me. I finally got a double whammy on the board. It's there we go. Oh, hang on, I gotta put. I gotta add this to the list. Titanic. Josh wins. Congratulations, Josh. You are letterbox. You know what? I need to king for the week. Uh, Made me feel good. So that's Josh's second win. Mm-hmm. First, first tar- direct hit, though. And it's my star, first so that bullseye. Brings, that brings Josh up to three total. That means the scores currently are me, five, Josh, three, Andrew, two. Garrett has yet to score. Oh, no. Okay. Hey, but, it's hey, February. We got a whole we can, year. We got a whole year. Hey, but you know what? You, with just one correct guess, you could be tied with Andrew. That's all it takes. That's true. Okay. That's true. Or or a double or to beat me this year. Yeah. Okay. 
here we here we are at the end of the show. What are our final ratings for James Cameron's Titanic? Four icebergs. Oh. Too soon? Four hearts of the ocean. Ah, uh, that's better. That's good. That's good. Uh four frozen love interests. <laughs> And a partridge in a pear tree. Yeah, I'm okay. also going to go with four stars. Yeah. Wow, okay. I like that. I like it when a plan comes together. Yeah. Four stars from all of us, despite a, a fairly lively conversation. That's yeah. always nice. Okay, well, that's Titanic, the 25th anniversary. Um, go see it in a theater if it's still playing. Whenever you hear this, I'm sure it'll be cool in theaters. Um, and be sure to follow, follow us online at Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, um so many sequels on all of those and of course you can go to so many sequels.com to find links to all those pages and subscribe to the show on apple Podcasts, spotify or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded um with that we'll see y'all next time bye